Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the sixth season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Clippy DMCs Today, and we have a great show for you today. This is the seventh installment of shows dealing with Carpe Diem. This age-old concept is one that so many people in the heart world ascribe to. Carpe Diem is also known as Seize the Day, and it's a philosophy of treasuring each and every moment since we have no guarantee of tomorrow. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Shirley Collins Craig. Shirley Collins Craig was born on February 9, 1950 in Huntsville, Texas. Although not a blue baby, she became very sick, and doctors heard heart murmurs. Twenty-five years later, a catheterization revealed an atrial septal defect, or ASD. During open-heart surgery, a patent ductus arteriosus was also found and repaired. Surgeons said that there was some damage to the lungs, but they didn't think it would be a problem. Fifteen years later, Shirley was diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension, or PH, but it was secondary to Eisenmenger syndrome. She moved to Houston in February of 1991 and was referred to Dr. Adani Frost, who treated her for 18 years until she received a heart double lung transplant in 2008 at Methodist. Shirley graduated from Sam Houston University in 1972. She is married and has one son and three grandchildren. Shirley joined and is a co-leader of the Pulmonary Hypertension Association, which is a 22-year-old PH group that meets in Houston at Kelsey Sabled Clinic on Holcomb. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Shirley. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. That's a support group here in Houston, and Pulmonary Hypertension Association is actually international. It's around the world. Oh, is it really? Isn't that wonderful? And we'll have the URL to that organization on the website later after the show, so everybody can check it out there. Do you want to go ahead and give the URL real quick, Shirley? It's www.phassociation.org. That should be easy for everyone to remember, phassociation.org. You can find the PHA Lone Star Chapter on Facebook right here in Houston. Oh, wonderful. So look on Facebook for the Pulmonary Hypertension Association as well. Well, Shirley, your story is so inspiring because it looks like you've been able to lead a fairly normal life. Despite being born with a heart defect in 1950, you really are one of the pioneers since the first blue baby was operated on in 1944. So you're one of the first generation of survivors. This theme for the season is Carpe Diem, Seizing the Day. So can you tell my listeners what you've done throughout your life to seize the day? Well, for me, it's just living my life, enjoying each and every moment of the day, smelling the roses, enjoying family and friends, reaching out to help others if I'm able to. And there's just so much here in the world to be a part of, and I've always wanted to do that as much as possible. And I didn't let my physical disabilities keep me from doing what I could do. That was important to me. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for everybody to know that you shouldn't let any problems that you have prevent you from living your life the way that you dream of living it. I have to know, are your grandchildren and your son all heart healthy? 
Yes, they are, and that was the very first thing when my son was born. I wanted to know, is his heart okay? Is he okay? And he was, and that was a moment of rejoicing for me. And I know some Eisenmengers and congenital heart defects People are told not to have children, and I wasn't, so there were some things I just didn't know not to do, so I did it anyway, and I'm (laughs) thankful it all worked out for sure. And my grandchildren are wonderful too, so I have much to be thankful for. Well, yes, indeed. I have two sons, and I am so thankful for both of my sons. And I have one who's heart healthy, my first son, and then my second son was born with a major heart defect known as hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So that's why we see today. Alex kind of brought it all home for us. But you lived through all of your childhood and a good part of your adulthood without having any kind of correction. Did that lead you to have some restrictions? It did, it did, and my parents watched over me very carefully, and I knew that if I ran too far, too long, too fast, that I would get very out of breath, but I just didn't really think that I should pull myself back. I did some things I probably shouldn't have done. We had a fire tower in rural Texas and had about 10 flights, so we went with friends, and we're going to climb it, and they ran up ahead of me, and I was plodding along behind but then my heart beating and trying to jump out of my chest, but I kept going and I got to the top. So (laughs) I think I'm lucky that I just didn't drop dead at a few points in my life. So hooray, I'm still here and saw a wonderful view. I bet you did. That's just the Texan mentality. We got to do it. We got to do it now. And you can't go for us from (laughs) And they can do it, so why can't I? Exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad you made it up there okay. That would have just been awful for your friends if you would have passed out. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, and I know that that happens to many people with a similar situation to mine, and I can knock wood and say that I've never passed out once in my life, so that's one for me, huh? Yeah. It sounds like you had some restrictions, but it wasn't too severe. Like you said, we both know of some pulmonary hypertension survivors who have suffered from it much worse. All of a sudden, they do just pass out, and that's pretty scary. Yes, it absolutely is. And as I got older, I did feel the restrictions more on my body. I did try in ninth grade to go out for the basketball team, and we were playing, and we were lousy, and they couldn't make a basket, and we couldn't get a rebound, and... I couldn't keep up, and my legs got so heavy, I couldn't move them, and then I couldn't raise my arms, and I was breathing so shallow and panting, and finally, finally, we were able to get the ball, and I motioned to the coach to get me out of here, and I knew at that moment that I couldn't do this. If I could pace myself and go so far and stop and rest, but in a situation where I couldn't really do that, or I would be embarrassed to say, i got to get out of this coach. So I quit the very next day, and then Coach's wife hired me for their babysitter. So (laughs) it worked out for them for sure. There was a reason you were brought together. They needed you to help care for their children. And we both know that caring for children is an important job, and you can't depend on just anyone to do that. So it sounds to me like there was a different purpose for you to be brought together with that coach. (laughs) Yes, I believe in that. What is it when one door closes, another opens? So you follow your path. Right, right. Well, some people think that 
seizing the day means having to do these big grandiose things like skydiving or jumping off of cliffs. I can't imagine you jumping off the cliff having no. the conversation <laughs> we just had. So no. what does seizing the day mean to you, Shirley? Well, I did have dreams of flying, and that was always fun. But as I said, I learned to pace myself early, and I did what I could within that. I lived my life. After I married, we moved to Alaska. We went camping. We went fishing. I tried skiing. I knew that wasn't for me. And getting together with friends and family and even rode on a sled dog team at one point. So... um I did what I could and enjoyed myself and tried to snow blow once and that didn't work either. So I kept realizing I did what I could and when it was really, really affecting me, I had to walk away. So just enjoying my life with family and friends, just watching a sunset has always been a joy for me. Mm-hmm. And I bet the sunsets in Alaska were amazing. Yes, they were, but uh, summer, it didn't set till 1 or 2 in the morning, so. <laughs> yeah. And then it was rising again at 4, so. <laughs> oh, were the northern lights just amazing? Oh, yes, they were, and I could actually stand in my bedroom where it was warm and look out my window and see the northern lights over a mountain that was very close by. So we saw some beautiful, beautiful things up there, Mount McKinley. We were in Anchorage, and it was a wonderful place to be, and we really hated to leave there, but that's where I was diagnosed with the Eisenmengers and the pulmonary hypertension, and I knew we couldn't get the proper care there, so we were out of there within six weeks of my diagnosis. Wow. Now that's seizing the day. Yes. Can't get it here. Let's go where we can. And Texas was our home, and my family was here, and the medical center in Houston, and my gut told me that's where we needed to be, and that worked out Mm -hmm. very well for me and my family. I'm amazed that you could handle the cold, cold weather that's in Alaska with your heart defect. Well, I did try walking outside at times, and I could feel the burn in my chest. So Mm. I avoided that as much as possible. But if you're not exerting yourself and you can have a mask like a muff around your face to warm the air. But, yes, it wasn't easy. But in some ways, I was just naive about my condition. I had my heart repaired when I was 25, and the doctors said, go and live your life and enjoy yourself. And I felt so good, and I had some really good years after that. So that's what I did, did all I could for as long as I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Shirley, so many people want to seize the day, but like you were just saying, they have these health issues that prevent them from being able to do everything that they want to do. So having suffered from this pulmonary tension and relying on oxygen even to survive, which you had told me in one of our emails back and forth to each other, you probably understand that problem better than most. So what advice would you give to others about how they can seize the day, even when they are on oxygen or even when they do have problems? When I went into the emergency room and I had an x-ray that a little PA had given me and told me, you need to get to the ER, and it had infiltrates in it, and they put the little oxygen monitor on my finger, and my saturation level was 60. 
And at that point, alarm started sounding. Everybody in the ER was running towards me, and I'm backing up and saying, what's going on? Well, your sats are 60. And I said, okay, what should they be? (laughs) And they said, well, in the 90s, and they put the oxygen on me, and I began to feel so good. I felt better than I had felt for years. So some people, oxygen is a hassle. For me, it was a lifeline. I could tell the difference. So once we got to Texas, moving around with those big E-tanks, that was very difficult. They're heavy. I had to have someone help me with them. And my brother-in-law told us about liquid oxygen, and I could fill a tank and have eight hours of being out and about. So I did what I could. I went shopping. We'd go to the beach and so forth. But I recognized after I found some people at a lung transplant support group who also had pH, and that started my pH journey and dealing with PHA. And we recognized that we had to maintain our physical ability. In other words, if we could sweep the floor and vacuum and walk around the block, we needed to keep trying to do those things for as long as possible because when we had to give something up, in all likelihood, we would not be able to gain back that skill. So for people who are facing those challenges, don't feel bad about it. Learn what you can do, do what you can, and figure out ways to make things easier. I pared down all of my recipes so I could be in and out of the kitchen in a shorter length of time. I became more organized with things around the house. Whatever I could do to save me time and energy. And through PHA, a lady would write a little article giving helpful hints and even throw the dish towel down on the floor and mop up spills with your foot instead of bending over because that can cut off your air supply and be serious for some people. So doing what you can, maintaining what you can, and don't feel bad with what you can't do. And with people say, can I help with something, then say yes, because it makes them feel better to be able to help you. That's right. I've always heard that if you don't accept the help and if you don't ask for the help in the first place, you're denying your friends an opportunity to be a friend to you. And you're denying them a chance to do something good. And we all know that we feel so much better when we're doing something for someone else. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And saying yes and thank you so much because they feel bad for you that you're in this situation and they want to help, but they can't make you better. But they could make a casserole and bring it over or run the vacuum over the floor. So little things like that helps you out a lot and comforts them somewhat too. Well, that's a real positive note for us to end this first segment on. So thank you, Shirley. Don't leave yet. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to talk to Shirley about what obstacles she has faced in living with a congenital heart defect and pulmonary hypertension and how she has overcome them. So don't leave. We'll be right back. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. 
Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is seizing the day with Shirley Collins-Craig. Shirley is a CHD survivor, a mother, a wife, a grandmother, and a co-leader of a pulmonary hypertension group that meets in Houston. And we've been talking to her about what seizing the day means to her. She's had some really fun ways to seize the day, especially since she lived in Alaska for a while. But Shirley, I want to talk to you about living with uncorrected congenital heart defects as a child. I'm sure there were obstacles that you had to overcome. You already talked to us about trying to climb up the fire tower. And I'm wondering, what was the biggest obstacles that you had to overcome in order to live your life to the fullest before your heart defect was repaired? Well, as I said before, I think learning my limits so that I didn't hurt myself or worry my parents too much about what I was doing. And in some ways, they were overprotective, and they wouldn't allow me to stay up all night at a slumber party. And I don't know how that would have hurt me, but (laughs) maybe it was just having me out of their sight for so long. So being aware of what I could do and couldn't do, and just going forward with that so that I didn't worry my family and get myself into trouble and make myself sick. As it was, I did spend time in the hospital. I had some issues that would come up as a youngster, and my parents watched out for me and were very productive, and somehow I made it through those young years into adulthood. So very, very thankful for that. So, Shirley, I'm curious, your hospitalizations, were they for things like upper respiratory infections, pneumonia, something like that? Yes. I don't think I ever had pneumonia as a child, but I would get sore throats and coughs, that sort of thing. I think I may have had whooping cough at one point. My first year of life, I wasn't a blue baby, but I got very sick, and they've never really told me what it was. And I was in the hospital, and that's where the heart defects were found. And our country doctor monitored me, so when we would go in, he would listen for two or three minutes to my chest and say, well, it hasn't gotten worse. So just enjoying every moment. I played as a kid. We ran in the woods. And when I got tired, short of breath, I would stop and rest. So Mm -hmm. So you were self-limiting? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we encourage today, for parents to allow the children to be self-limiting. Let them run. Let them play. It's like you were saying before, you need to do as much physical activity as your body will let you because there may come a point in time when you just can't do something. And so that leads me to my next question for you. You developed Eisenmenger syndrome. Had you ever heard of it before the doctor told you you had it? No, absolutely not. So that was a big surprise. I didn't know what it was. We were living in Alaska, and as I said, I went to the emergency room, and within three days I had my diagnosis, and the doctor was telling me that there was no cure and no medicines, and the only thing that would help was a heart double lung transplant. And at that time in 1990, nobody was doing that in the U.S. except at UCLA. And I would have to go there and live there away from my family and hope that I would get approved and onto the list. So that just didn't seem feasible to me. But I was devastated with this diagnosis. It scared me. I was told I had a year to live and that was it. And I thought of my son. I wanted to be there to parent him. And I didn't want my husband to have to go it alone. So I was really scared. But the nurses in the hospital were so sweet. They came to me and would whisper, you really need a second opinion. And these are just statistics. And nobody can tell you when 
you're going to die. So I took all that to heart, and I'm a positive person anyway. And so I started looking forward, and we got ourselves to Texas and found the perfect doctor and tried to follow their directions as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so you had so much dumped on you at one time. You're told you have this Eisenmenger syndrome, which you had never heard about before. And then you're told, oh, and by the way, there's no cure. And you have 12 months to live. And the only hope for you is a heart double lung transplant. I can only imagine how devastating that was for your husband as well. How did he react? Oh, he's a sweetheart. He's always been my rock. He's always been there for me as well as as all of my family, but he just said, we'll do what we need to do, and if we needed to get to Texas, we would do that. So, as I said, six weeks later, we were in Houston, Texas. Wow. That's just quite a story. And so were you immediately listed on the heart-lung transplant list? No, I was not. Once I got under the care of Dr. Frost and I stayed on my oxygen, the first thing she told me in her office, and what so many PH people hear, is get your affairs in order. So I did that. I made my will. I made my funeral plans. My husband and I discussed who would parent our son if something happened to him as well. So it's like I got all of the business for dying taken care of, and then I put that behind me and I forgot about it. And then I proceeded to live my life cherishing each and every day because at that time I knew it could be my last. They weren't doing heart-lung transplants at that time in Houston. So that was off the table. So I did all I could to maintain my health and follow my doctor's instructions. And a year passed, and hey, I'm not dead yet. So that was great. At that time, that's what they told all pH patients regardless of whatever their secondary issues would be, is you had a year to live. So pretty standard advice at the time. Thankfully, things have changed. Mm -hmm. So how have things changed today, Shirley? What would pH patients today hear? They would hear about all of the wonderful medications that have been developed over the past 10 to 15 years. As I said, at my diagnosis, oxygen was it. Some PHers responded to Procardia, a calcium channel blocker. That could actually lower the pulmonary pressures, but I wasn't a candidate because of my heart issues. So that was always in play for me, what might would work for someone who just had pulmonary hypertension my doctor had to consider my heart and if it may affect my heart. So it was several years until 1999 I was able to go into a drug study for a medication that was subcutaneously delivered, and it did help me. And at that point I had maintained for nine years, but I was going downhill. I could feel it. And I knew I needed something, and I knew this drug was available for study. And I went to my doctor and said, I want to be in this. And it did help me. I could feel the benefit Uh from it. It was a very painful medication. They didn't expect it to be so inflammatory to your abdomen, which is where it was delivered. But because I felt better, you deal with what you have to in hopes of feeling better and living better and hanging around. I like that idea, so I stuck with it. And after that, many more medications have come along. So today they're telling people two to five years. And in our support group here in Houston, we have members who are out 10, 15, 20 years past diagnosis. So it's 
wonderful that that's available for people. Wow. That's a much more positive thing to have to hear. We need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Shirley about her heart double lung transplant. And what advice Shirley has for parents of children with congenital heart defects? We'll be right back. Hannah Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is seizing the day with Shirley Collins Craig, and she is a survivor. I mean, wow, we have really heard an amazing story today, but we have just a minute left, and so I wanted to ask Shirley another question or two if I can squeeze it in. And one of those questions is that I have a lot of friends whose children receive heart transplants and they celebrate their transplant anniversary because it's like a second chance at life. And I'm sure that your life changed in a lot of different ways after you received your transplant. How did it change your view about life and living? It was amazing. Literally overnight, my color changed completely. After surgery, it was just that fast. The blue lips were gone. The medication I was on caused red flushing all over, so I always looked bright red tomato-ish. So just having all of that out of my system and heart and lungs was pretty tough. But I was out of the hospital in 10 days and the most wonderful thing was no more oxygen. I'm celebrating my seventh year post-transplant this month and the things I've been able to do and travel since then. I missed my son's wedding in 2006. I actually spent it in the hospital in congestive heart failure. He lives in Spain. It broke my heart that I couldn't go, but I made my husband go. I said, we have to have someone there. We had tickets. I was arranging everything, and things just went south. So I asked my doctors after transplant, how soon can I travel? How soon can I get on a plane? And they said, we'll wait for a year. So by gosh, a year later, we were on a plane and we flew to Granada, Spain to see my son and grandson and his lovely wife. So that was an achievement and we've been back several times and I even made it to Germany one time. So just being able to travel and move around without oxygen has been a blessing. Sure. Wow. It probably feels like a huge weight was lifted from your shoulders, even though I'm not going to diminish the fact that being a transplant survivor means that you have a very strict regimen of medications that you have to take. But it sounds like maybe that was small potatoes compared to having to take that oxygen tank with you everywhere. Absolutely. And as I said, you learn to adjust. You know, many people have to do a lot of things every day to get through the day. You think of amputees who have to strap on so they can get up and walk around it. People with cystic fibrosis, what they have to do every day. But this is what we do to survive. So ultimately, we are survivors and we're going to do whatever we have to if we can, to stay here and enjoy this beautiful world and these beautiful people as long as we can. So I have very much to be thankful for. Yes, yes, indeed. And 
I just love everything you just said. That is so true. And you are a survivor, Shirley. So tell me what advice you would give to parents whose children are right now in congestive heart failure or who have developed pulmonary hypertension. What advice would you give those parents about helping their children to seize the day? I've thought about this a lot, and I think to a certain extent, if I had known more about my condition and what was going on when I was little, although the times were different, it was the 50s, today there's a wealth of information right at your fingertips. And I know parents, I know you, you're a major advocate for your family, and you find out all this information and get the best care that you can. But I think the child needs to be aware to the extent of their ability to comprehend so that they can make those decisions about their limits so that they can do as much as makes them happy but without overdoing and causing themselves pain or discomfort are serious issues with what they're doing. So I think awareness for the child to the age that they can comprehend so that they know what's going on, don't feel bad about it, don't feel ashamed. This is your life, but move from here and enjoy as much as you can. So awareness, I think, for what's going on so that you can make good decisions. Absolutely. And I know parents are watching like a hawk all the time. I'm sure you are. (laughs) That's our job as parents, right, Shirley? Absolutely. Yeah. But knowledge is power. The parents finding out for themselves, listening to shows like this certainly are helpful. I think it helps to know that you're not alone. And that, for me, is one of the biggest reasons I do this show. There weren't as many resources. And I imagine the 1950s, there was even less. So you're right. Don't keep it a secret from the child. The child has the right to know. But like you said, you have to fashion the information you share with them to their age so that they know. There's nothing wrong with me. I can't keep up with Johnny or Janie because my heart is special, because I have pulmonary hypertension. Like you said, you can have pulmonary hypertension without having a heart defect. And so the children need to know there's nothing wrong with them as far as they're not bad or anything, but they're just going to have to pace themselves. And I think that's smart advice because the sooner they start learning about how to do that, the sooner they can learn to be advocates for themselves and take care of themselves. And that's a lesson that you use for the rest of your life, don't you think, Shirley? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, forever and ever, and really for anybody. We all have issues each and every day, so knowing what you can do and doing it well is a good model for life. I think so, too, and that's such a positive way for us to end the show. Shirley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're very welcome, and a shout-out to all my PH guys here in Houston. Have a great day, guys. (laughs) And I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks so much for listening today. Please come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Until then, find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Don't forget to check out the Pulmonary Hypertension website, www.phnassociation.org. Follow this radio show on Blog Talk Radio or Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.